0: And uh, we try and be first and still make it within the time allotted, but I want us to study, and I want the Lord God Almighty to speak to us through his word this morning. Amen. The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three, a word shall be established. So when Pastor Tosin was talking, he was actually preaching. Now, she was actually preaching. Amen. And she mentioned the title of the message three times. And so what I do is I listen. It says, once has God spoken, twice have I heard? So I counted her mentioning that three times. Amen? Hallelujah. So this morning, we're going to study the title, Trusting God Absolutely. Trusting God Absolutely. Amen? Hallelujah. So we have a couple of scriptures And uh, I'm going to try not to rush, but there are so much scripture that we need to read, so some of them we just paraphrase, and you can, you know, do your due diligence by studying them when you get to get home. Because as we're beginning this journey that the Lord is taking us into, we are moving into the era where we will not be praying for miracles, but we'll be living in miracles. Because it is what God has spoken, Amen. And so we've been talking about believing in God. We've been talking about dealing with our doubts. And so this morning, as I was preparing, I, I had God telling me, saying that the way, one way we can actually, rather than struggling or trying to say, deal with unbelief, is to displace unbelief. Amen? And uh, one of the things that God is showing us this morning is If we have to deal with light, we don't begin to fight light, we just introduce, I mean, if we have to deal with darkness, we don't begin to fight darkness, we just introduce light. And guess what? The Bible says, darkness will not comprehend it. You know, the moment light comes into the scene, darkness disappears, amen? So it is the principle of displacement, okay? If I have to conquer hate, I just need to begin to sow into love. And all of a sudden, I will displace hatred because love will overcome. It will take over my entire heart. Amen? So that's what we are trusting God for this morning as the Lord is leading us, that in order for us to displace this doubt out of our lives, we begin to learn on how to trust God. Because as soon as we trust God, then doubt is displaced automatically. Because trusting God and doubting God, they are mutually exclusive. If you are a statistician, a mutually exclusive event means they can never occur together. The two of them cannot occur together at the same time. So if I am trusting God, it is impossible for me to doubt. And that's the principle we're going to trust God to help us apply this morning. That as Allah begins to show us how to trust him, absolutely, then doubt will have no place in our lives. Amen? Do you agree with me? Hallelujah. So we're going to begin our study from the book of Psalms, Psalm 62. Psalm 62, I'll read from verse 1. Yes, we can still do verse 1. Psalm 62, We read from verse 1. Now let's just jump to verse 5. Psalm 62, trusting God absolutely. The book of Psalm sixty-two, verse number five: My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. I want you to pay attention as we're reading because I actually want us to do a study, not just a message. He um, said, "My soul wait thou only." Emphasis on only. My soul wait thou only upon God, only upon God, for my expectations. Is from him. Everything I will ever need or everything I will ever expect is from him. And so David is commanding his soul to trust only or to wait only upon God. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Verse number 8. Trust in him at all times, ye people. He's giving us his version. And after giving us his version, he's now beginning to encourage us. He said, trust in him. Who? The one I've been talking about in the previous uh, sentences or previous verses. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Amen. Let me read verse 7 and 8 in message version. Verse 7 and 8 says, My help and glory are in God. Granite strength and safe harbor God. So trust Him absolutely, people. Lay your lives on the line for him. God is a safe place to be. Trust him absolutely. How? Lay your life in the line. If that is what it is going to take. Because he is a safe place to be. Amen? Amen? So the, 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 the story or the study around trusting God has to come with absoluteness because there's no, nothing as, no such thing as I trust God. But it's not absolute. There is no trust or half percent of trust or 0.5, 0.9, 0.9, 99.9. There's no such thing. Trust is either there or it's not. So to say trusting God absolutely is actually an oxymoron. But I actually put it there so I can make that point. Because it's either you trust or you don't trust. It is impossible to trust and say, I have half percentage of trust or 10% or 20%. It is impossible. There's no such thing. Trust is trust. It is either there or not. Amen? So before our... Human experience, we are trying to quantify it by saying it has to be absolute. There is no halfway trusting. Amen? Amen? Do you agree with that? Hallelujah. So let's move forward quickly this morning as we begin to look at this uh, study. Um, we're going to begin to look at the issue of doubt. I think we have mentioned that often, um, over and over and over again. In Matthew 21, 21, the Bible says... Um, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do these, which is done to the victory, but also if ye shall say unto the mountain, Be thou moved, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done to you. We've read all of these. Matthew 21, 21. I'm just reiterating um, when we're dealing with doubt. Um, Mark 11. Mark eleven, twenty-three. You can write those down. I'm just paraphrasing quickly before I jump into uh, where we're going Mark 11:23 says, "For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he said. Luke 12:29 Luke 12:29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. What I'm trying to point to here is in Mark 11 and Luke 12. Mark 11, he said, Whosoever will believe and will not doubt in his heart. And Luke is saying, Be not of a doubtful mind. So the issue of doubt resides in our heart and in our mind. Okay? Doubt is not in our nature. The very first thing the devil wants you to believe is that it is impossible not to doubt. And that's a lie. Because doubt exists in our heart and in our mind. It is not created with us. So it is a stranger. And the Bible says concerning stranger, it says strangers shall panic and they shall rush out of their hidden places. So you don't have to agree with a theory that says it is impossible not to doubt. It is possible. It exists only in our heart and in our mind. And if we can take care of our heart and our mind, then doubt we have no place. And it will become an alien in our lives. Amen. And that's what is going to happen to it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it is in our heart, it is in our mind. And guess what? Um, if you go to, uh, I don't know if we can just jump to Pro- Proverbs chapter 3 at this point. Because it is in our mind, you see that when uh, the Bible was talking about trusting in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Let's read that quickly. Proverbs 3. From verse uh, 5. Do we have it? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not on thy own understanding. And there is a reason the Bible is saying this. You see, the greatest obstacle to trust is our understanding. The greatest barrier... To trust is our understanding. The reason you will not trust me is what you understand about me. Maybe what I have done in the past. Maybe some things that you know. So he's saying, trust in the law with all your heart. Why? Because that's where your doubt resides. See the spirit, I mean, the, the, the principle of displacement. God wanting to displace doubt, wants to place trust. Where doubt now resides. And because the two are mutually exclusive, something got to give. So one, we have to move. And guess what? If we can get trust into that place, doubt will have no place. Amen? Amen. So trust in the Lord with all thy heart in order to displace doubt. Trust will replace it. And then do not lean on your understanding. In order to trust anyone, you really have to do away with your understanding. I'm going to say that again. In order to trust anyone, you will really have to do away with your understanding. And I don't mean that you, that literally, I'm, I meant that there are some things that your mind will conjure that will be in direct opposition to your trusting. Okay? So we cannot trust God if we cannot lose our mind. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> that's really, really, say, what? In order for us to trust God, we have to begin to learn that we will have to lose our mind. Okay? Okay? Let me just give you an example. Just picture in your mind when Jesus told Peter to jump out of the boat and walk on water on the sea. You have to be insane to do that. You really have to lose your mind to jump out of a safe boat and jump into the sea because someone asks you to. I mean, it has to be that you are senseless. Is that not right? Guess what? That's what God is saying. In order to trust anything God is going to ask you to do, you have to lose your mind. You have to be really, really senseless. You have to do away completely with your understanding. That's what the Bible is saying. When God is talking, trust, throw that away. Amen? Do we get that? I mean, I'm not saying it is bread and butter. But it's a faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Once we understand this, as we go into the scripture soon, you'll begin to see why this is critical. Okay? We will see how this is critical. You have to literally lose your mind and completely say, you know what? I have to be not to do this. Yes. And that's the only way we can get to where we're going. And God is going to take us there in the name of Jesus. So it's a trust in the Lord and lean on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and you know all the story. Amen? So we're going to begin to, uh, to look into some people that God will have us take a peep at their lives in order to understand the theory of God's trust. The theory behind trusting God absolutely Okay, God is going to show us some people. I have a couple of them. We'll, we'll just take a snap look into some, then we'll study one in detail. And the reason, I will, I will show you later. We want to look at Job quickly. Job, we are all familiar with the story of Job, but let's look at Job. Job 13, the book of Job 13, and let uh, see here. Well, let's just look at just that one sentence. I don't have to bug you with all this story because I know you're familiar with it. Job 13, 15. Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So I'm going to suggest to you, if you're really serious And you really want to displace doubt. I want to begin to study these people. Study the life of Job. Study the life of Daniel. Study the life of Chidra Meshach, and Abednego. Study the life of David. And study the life of Hezekiah. Okay? Those people, I believe there is enough to show us how to get to where they were. How could these people trust God? How could anyone say, though he slay me, yet I will trust him? Guess what? If you trust me, I doubt if I can get a second chance. The first time I messed up, God help me if I can ever get into your trust circuit again. That is who we are. That's the way we operate. Okay? That's why we say trust must be earned. Okay? And so when things happen and people say, "You know what? He will have to work hard to gain my trust again." Right. So it's not so with God. I want to submit to you that with God, trust is a choice. It is not a gift of the spirit. Trust it's not a gift of the Spirit. It is a deliberate, conscious choice. And I'm trusting that God will take us to that place where will we will make that deliberate, conscious choice today, moving forward. Amen? A man like Job was deliberate. I will trust him. Even though he slays me, my trust in him has nothing to do with my understanding anymore. It has nothing to do with what I'm seeing or what I'm not seeing. It has nothing to do with what he is doing or what he's not doing. It is a choice. I will trust him even though he kills me. Amen? We look at Daniel. That's the first man, Job. An example of trust. We'll look at Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. If you have time, you can look at Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6. We may not be able to read all of that, um, but if you uh, can just look at Daniel chapter 3 and chapter 6, I will paraphrase. In Daniel chapter 3, we learn about um, King Nebuchadnezzar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do we all remember this story? These three Hebrew boys were in Babylon, and they've made a choice to trust God. It has been their lifestyle. They've chosen to trust God. Like I said, it's a choice. Because if you read from Daniel chapter 1, you begin the, you begin the life story of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. When they were offered to eat at the king's table, they made a choice. They said, look, give us vegetables only. Okay? And, and the keeper of the house, he said, look, if I give you vegetables only, you're not going to look as robust as the king wants to see. Or as others. He said, just try us. They tried them. Gave them only vegetables, and at the end of the day, they were better than others that were eating the delicacies of the king. Amen? So, these men have been living a life of choice. So, it was not until they got to chapter 3 that they now started trusting. No, 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 no. Choice, I mean, a trust is a choice, and ultimately must become a lifestyle. We don't begin to trust when we have trouble. Or we don't begin to trust, you know, when something happened. No, 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 no. That's why we're learning it now. It is supposed to be our lifestyle. Amen? And God will take us there in Jesus' name. So, in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, I'll just read. And let me just read the one that I think um, we can quickly learn from. From verse number 16. It says, shadrach Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the, the story is, the king made an idol, an idol god, and proclaimed that everyone must worship that idol. And whosoever refuses to worship this idol will be thrown into the furnace. Okay? And these three Hebrew boys, I mean, because um, all the other officials within the king's uh, jurisdiction, they were jealous of these three Hebrew boys and they conspired, you know, to rope the king into their conspiracy to write a decree that cannot be annulled. that whosoever shall refuse to bow when the trumpet you know, for this idol uh, sounds, then they should be thrown into the fire. So these three Hebrew boys Um, They continue to serve God as they've been doing. Keep in mind, these are people that trusted God. They've made the choice to trust God. Now they're in in, in a strength. And in verse 16 through 18 in Daniel chapter 3, where we pick from, it says, "Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, answer King Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire... The God we serve can rescue us from your ruining foreigners and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, it, will, it wouldn't make a bit of a difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the God statute statue you set up. Amen. Choice. So they told the king, I mean, trusting God is a choice. I want you to take note of those words. And you have to lose your mind. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. You have to be not to see a furnace and be talking to a king. King, don't worry yourself trying to persuade or threat. There is nothing you say that is going to make me change my mind. I am not going to bow. I'm not going to worship. So you can as well increase the intensity of your fullness. Because I'm not going to yield. It has to be you and you've lost your mind. So the issue of trusting God is a choice. And that's where we want to get to. That's, That's where I'm aspiring to get to. What is it that is in this boy's life? What did they see or know about God that I need to know or that I need to see? Why would anyone be standing in the face of a furnace and be talking to a king, the king of Babylon? I mean, with such effrontery and say, I am not buying. Amen? They threw them into the fire. See, trusting God is a choice, and you have to be not. You see, when they were carrying them to throw them into the fire, you would think that God will rescue and ensure that they don't get into the fire. And that's the problem with some of us. You see, on the way to being thrown into the fire, guess what? If God don't show up, you change your mind. So God allowed them to be robbed. To see if they would change their mind. They tie them, they rob them. They carry them from wherever they were. And approaching the furnace, they will not change their mind. Until they're thrown in there, they did not change their mind. To tell you how terrible it was, those that carry them, the fire consumed them. And they went into the fire, still trusting. Trusting God. We display, displays every doubt. But it is a choice. And you have to be really out of your mind. Amen? So they threw them into the fire, and all of a sudden, the king saw the fourth person in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 28, at the end of the day, said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. Who trusted in him? The king saw nothing in these boys other than the fact that he trusted in their God. Hallelujah. Amen. The same story is in Daniel chapter 6. Let me read verse 29 in, in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verse 29. After this, the king confessed and, and proclaimed, he said, Therefore I issue this decree, verse 29. Anyone, anywhere, of any race, color, or creed, who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be ripped into pieces, limb from limb, and their houses turned down. <laughs> Look at the next statement. There has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. There has never been a God who can pull off a rescue like this. Amen? See, I'm beginning to think that God is waiting to do this again. God is beginning, and there is a warning in heaven. Yes. When God is just anxious to show the entire world who He really is. When in the unbelievers and those that are making the mockery of the faith can say, There is just no other God beside the living God. And guess what? It is going to be through His servants. Amen. Let's look at Daniel. I'm afraid um, I'm, I'm just going to um, rush through that. Daniel, chapter 6, the same story. Daniel, everyone knows, in Babylon, you know, together with Shadrach, Meshach, and the Big Negro, they serve the living God. They've made a choice to trust God regardless of anything they may face. And again, there was a cook and bull stories that this, you know, so jealous um, officials, they conjure together again and uh, make the king to promulgate a decree that no one should pray to any other god except Darius. And the Bible said when Daniel heard about it, the Bible said he went to the upper room as he used to. See, it was not then that he started trusting. No. And it was not then that he started praying. No. He's been praying and nothing is going to intimidate him from doing it. So after the decree, the Bible says, has, as, as it used to do. He went to pray. So in Daniel chapter 6, we saw in verse 19 through 20, after he prayed, you know, they reported to the king. Then the king said, well, you know, I've made a decree. I cannot change even though the king wanted to save him. But again, look at God. God wanted him to get into the den. Okay? To actually see the lion face to face. He did not save him until he got into the den. The king could not save him because the the decree of the king cannot be annulled. Amen? So God tried to tell us something. Through this story. So in verse 19 through 20, at daybreak, Daniel 6 19, 19 through 20, at daybreak, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. As he approached the den, he called out anxiously, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve so loyally, saved you from the lions? What gave the king the impression? That God will save Daniel. I mean. Who has ever gone into the lion's den. And come back to tell the story. I mean. Why would the king ever even fathom. To go into the lion's den. And be calling out Daniel. That as your God saved you. Why? Because he knew the choice. That Daniel has made. He knew Daniel as a man that I've chosen to trust God. And he went and said, as your God, whom you so loyally served, saved you. Amen? Verse 21 through 22, all king live forever, said Daniel. My God sent his angel who closed the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me. I have been found innocent before God and also before you, O king. I have done nothing to harm you. Verse 23. When the king heard this word, he was happy. He held Daniel taken up out of the den. When he was hauled up, there wasn't a scratch on him. He had trusted his God. Amen? 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 What again did Daniel knew back then? Why would he trust God? Why will he not change his mind as he was being pulled or dragged into the cave or the lion den? He trusted his God. Amen? Because trust is a choice. And nothing will make me change my mind. That's what they're saying. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go quickly to 2nd King. We'll look at we, we we can you can look at um, you can study. We've studied the life of David forever. Um, but you can look at that as well. But let's look at uh, Hezekiah the king, second King chapter 18. Second King chapter 18, trusting God absolutely. Trusting God absolutely. Wearing to the point of death, I can't change my mind. I mean, I'm trusting God absolutely, regardless of what I face, it's not gonna change my mind. Amen. So Ezekiel is the one that I want us to look at closely within the few minutes that we have left. In verse 18 of Second King, um, in chapter 18, I beg your pardon of Second King. This is the reason why I think we should look at Ezekiah closely. And I, if I were you, I will, I will really study. Take time to study and ask God to help me. Show me what is it about Ezekiah. What did Ezekiah see in you? What did he know about you? I just need that. Because the Bible said the scriptures they are written for our examples. The reason these stories or all these things, events happened in the past was simply because God knew we were going to need it in order to get to where they were, okay? So, Ezekiah was a king, and here is the reason why I think, you know, it's number one on the list of those people that I will hanker down to study in order to get into an absolute trust in God. Look at verse number five. Verse number five, King Kings 18, verse number five. The Bible says he trusted in the Lord God of his tribe so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Okay, God is comparing the trust that Ezekiah had towards God with all the kings that were before him. And all the kings after him, and, the, and God said, There was none. I, mean, I, want, I want to know something about that person. I mean, that is so unique and that is so, so important. Why? Amen. Verse 6 For he cleaved to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. Amen. Let me read that in message version. I will read in message version. No signal, okay? Hezekiah put his whole trust in the God of Israel. There was no king quite like him either before or after. He held fast to God, never losing his grip. Obeyed God to the letter, everything God had commanded Moses. And God, for His part, held fast to Him through all His. Adventures. Amen? And that's what we're looking for, wherein, you know, God is with us 24 7. Because those who trust in Him, He is with them 24 7. That's the reason why He will not bother to save you before you jump into the den of lion. He will not bother to do anything before you jump into the fire. Why? He's going to be there, like we saw with the three Hebrews. He was there. They saw the fourth man in the fire. That's why He said, when you pass through water, I will be there with you. When you pass through the fire, I will be there. I will not let it consume you. But the problem with our senses and our heart is is that, you know, while we are maybe swimming and we are still struggling in that ocean, okay, we quickly lose our trust. We thought, well, well, okay, May may my soul rest in peace. It seems this is it. So God, trusting God absolutely means regardless of what I face, I cannot change my mind. I cannot change my mind, amen? So we saw that in all those people, and we're now going to look closely into this life of Ezekiel. amen? So the story of Ezekiel was such that, if you have time, just read chapter 18. And we see how the, the king of Assyria threatened him. Threatened him to the point wherein um, he thought he was going to succumb. He sent somebody, sent his agents to King Ezekiah telling him, you know, I'm going to you know, come and take this land. I'm going to come destroy everything. If you don't, do A, B, C. Amen? So let me just read a couple Um, In verse 19 of 18, chapter 18, verse 19. And Rabchakeh said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, thus said the great king, the king of Assyria. What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Thou said, But they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength uh, for the world. Now on whom dost thou trust? Okay, so you see how the enemy knows exactly what or where our strength lies. Our strength lies in trusting him. Okay? See, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he shares on our way. He said, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust. And Why is this king asking about trust? Why is he talking about trust? Because Ezekiah was known back in the days as the king that trusted God. There was none like him before him and none like him after him. So he said, who, who, who is it that you are trusting? Whom thou trust that thou rebellest against me, Now behold, thou trusted upon the staff of this bruised reed even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that you trust on him? But if you say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, begin to see how our senses is a hindrance if we will not lose it. See how this... Enemy of God is attacking the people of God, uh, the man that trusted in God. Look at what he's saying. He said, now in verse 21, now behold, thou trust... No, in verse 22, but if ye say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and Jerusalem... Ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now, therefore, I pray thee, give pledges to my lord, the king of Assyria, and I will deliver thee 2,000 horses, if thou be able to, on thy part, to set rider right upon them. Amen? I'm just going to jump um, to, let's jump to chapter 19. So you can read, the threat went on and on and on and on and on. But let's go to verse uh, chapter 19. Um, let's go to chapter 19 of the same book of 2nd King. And let me just point out a few things and we will close. Amen. So, in chapter 19, here is uh, Ezekiah's, uh, King Ezekiel's uh, uh, response. He said, And it came to pass when King Ezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. That's Ezekiah's response. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shibna, uh, Shibna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus said Ezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the the children are come to the bath, and there is no strength to bring forth. Maybe that the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God. And we reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Therefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. Amen? See how critical that prayer is? Okay, so let's jump quickly and see more of the ranting before we uh, conclude this story. Um, you know what, Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah, uh, prophet Isaiah replied back, don't worry, God said he's going to take care of him. Okay, so I'm trying to see where we can just launch um, twelve. Okay. So let's see the ranting from verse. um, Verse 25. These are the threats. The way the way we perceive situations that could actually derail our trust in God is through our senses. Things we know. Things that we have seen. Okay? you know, that are facts, okay? They are not fables, they are facts, okay? And that's what he's doing here in verse 25. He says, Has thou not heard long ago how I have done, how I have done it, and of ancient times, that I have formed, formed it? Now have I brought it to pass, that thou shouldest be to lay waste friend cities unto rain heaps." Therefore, their inhabitants, oh no, no, let me jump. This is too far. Uh, okay. I think I jumped too far. Uh, okay. So let me start from verse. Okay, so here's uh, Ezekiah saying, verse 17, Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nation and their lands. See, it's a fact. Okay? So when the king was threatening that, look, I have destroyed many kings. I have destroyed many lands. So don't tell me you are trusting in God. Go and see those I have destroyed. Go and see those I have said they have trusted in God. See what I have done to them. He was threatening and he was really giving real raw data, raw facts. Okay? That when you apply your sensing to it, you will immediately either say, you know what, it's better we make peace with this king. Because these are facts. Okay? He's not lying, he's not joking. So, and that's the way we see situations. That's the way, you know, situations appear to us. That's the way circumstances that are planning to derail our trust in God appear to us. They are facts. Okay? They are not fables. They are things that are real. And so and that's why Hezekiah was here acknowledging and telling God, Look, God, this guy, we, we know him. He has destroyed kings. He has destroyed lands of a truth. Of a truth in verse 17, in chapter 19, Say, Lord, the king of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, and no gods. But the work of men's men's hands, wood and stone, therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Ezekiel, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Israel, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised thee and loved thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head on thee. And God went on and went on and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. He has blasphemed me and I'm going to take care of him. You will not need to worry. You will not do anything because you have trusted in me. God took over that fight and destroyed um, Assyria, Amen. So here is the here is the key. Now, if we study, most people that God has shown unto us that have trusted God, people like David, people like Daniel, people like Job, people like Hezekiah, people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There is one common thing that we say. One, it is it is absolutely possible to trust God absolutely. Amen? Yeah. One thing is clear, okay, that we have to remove from onset. It is possible to trust God absolutely. Because we thought this man did it. It is possible. It is possible. In the face of fearfulness, they trusted God. So it is humanly possible because the first thing the enemy wants to tell us is it is not possible. Okay, you know, it is not humanly possible. But it is, and that's why God is showing us now. So once we have arrested that thought, and we say, yes, it is possible, Daniel did it, Ezekiel did it, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we saw them trusted God absolutely. So I can trust God. So it is possible. That's the number one point I want us to see. Number two I've mentioned is, the fact that trusting God, or trusting any man or woman, is by choice. Again, it is not the gift of the Spirit. Don't begin to think it's going to happen automatically. No, it's not. There are things that God has us to do. One of the things is making choices. God is not going to take over that jurisdiction. He's going to allow you to make your choices. So trusting God is by choice. So don't begin to think, oh God, we, have, we do it. No, you will make up your mind. And you will tell God, I am going to trust you absolutely. Then He will release grace to you. Okay? But guess what? When you see the fire, remember the choice you've made. Okay? Because you are going to see fire. And you are going to see some lions then. Remember the choice you've made, He will give you the grace you need. Amen? Hallelujah. So, number three, trusting God must not be what we do, but who we are. It's not what I do, it's who I am. It must become who I am. Because if it is what I do, guess what? I can undo it what I do. I can choose not to do what I do. We have to graduate from trying to or uh, doing the art of trusting to becoming. It is about being. And that's what we found in the life of these people. If you study very well, okay, they are not performance acts. Okay? So when it is at the realm of doing, it is a performance thing. So at some point, you know, when it is convenient, we do it. When it's not, we no. Absolute trust is not doing trust. No, it is being it. It is who I am, which means I cannot do the other other, the the, the, the reverse, because it has become who I am. That's the only way you can take a man facing a fiery furnace, and he will not change his mind. (laughs) He will not rethink. It, It has become who they are. You cannot do it. You cannot, you know, make them not to trust God. Amen. That's number and the third point, number three points. Number four, trusting God must be absolute. I have said initially there is no such thing as you know, hundred, fifty percent, thirty percent. No, if I trust God, it is absolute, and that's what we see in the life of these these people. It is absolute. It is there is a full stop behind it. Not negotiable. It's no longer on the table for negotiation. Amen. Must be absolute. So we have to know that we have to know that we are trusting him absolutely. Amen. And the last one here is absolute trust in God. Um, I've mentioned it. And doubting are mutually exclusive events. So it is impossible. If I trust God absolutely, it will become impossible for me to doubt. Okay? It is impossible. So let me see if I can make this clear. Doubting God is not by choice, Mm -mm. you don't choose to doubt God, it's just there. All right? That's why it is impossible to do anything about it. That's why Jesus said, "Such cannot go, except by prayer and fasting. It is not that you choose, you, you just wake up and you are praying, you want to doubt God. You know, I, I, I'm going to doubt God, you know. I'm, choose to, I'm, I'm just going to choose to doubt. No, you don't choose to doubt God, but you choose to trust him. So that's why the way to displace trust, that which you have no control over, doubt, the way to displace doubt, the one you have no control over, that is just there's nothing you can do about it, is through the one you have control over. You have control over your choice. You can choose to trust God. And the moment you choose to trust God, absolutely, it displaces Doubt. One you cannot do anything about. So I'm going to ask us to stand and talk to God this hour. I believe that something clicked or clicked in the head of Daniel. Something must have happened to their mind. Something must have happened somewhere upstairs for them to go so not. For them to get to that level wherein it does no matter what you are dangling in front of them. They are going to trust God anyway. It does no matter what you do. They are going to trust God anyway. What is it that they saw? What exactly happened? I don't know. The Bible said the secret things, they belong unto God. Things that are revealed, they are ours and our children's children. What exactly is it? That happened to their mind. How did they lose their mind to that point? What happened? I don't know. And that's one thing I want you to pray to God this hour. Whatever it is that happened to this man, that they can trust God absolutely. Wherein a man is being dragged into the furnace and he will not change his mind concerning God. When in a man is being robbed and thrown into the lion's den and he will not change his mind. There has to be something that happened to that man. That's one thing that I want us to pray for this hour. Just talk to God in your little way. Lord, I want to trust you. Absolutely. I want to trust you completely. Whatever it is that happened to this man like Hezekiah. Men like Daniel, men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whatever it is that happened to them, in so much that they can walk into the fire and face the fiery of fire and still maintain their trust in you, I want it to happen to me. Whatever you did in their lives, that will make Daniel to walk into the lion's den. It wasn't as if he had seen anyone that walked into the lion's den and came out. He walked into the lion's den, trusting you. Whatever it is that happened to him, Lord, that gets in there, let it happen to me. Lord, whatever happened to Hezekiah, that in the face of all the intimidations, with all the armies lined up, he's still trusting you. Let it happen to me. Lord, I need that grace. I need that revelation. Yes. I need that revelation. I need my eyes to be open. I need my heart to be enlightened. Whatever it is that will get me to trust in you absolutely, that will allow me to have the insight, that will allow my eyes to be open so much so that I can make the choice to trust you. Absolutely. Let it happen to me, Lord. This is my prayer because the moment we trust him, the Bible say, he is always going to be with us. There will be no room for doubt. There will be no room for doubt because our confidence is always going to be at him. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus and to trust and go.